everybody, welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. I'm T, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes, the audio-only version goes up at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time every Wednesday night. All you have to do is search Twasm, or T Watches a Scary Movie, on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And of course, the video version goes up half an hour later at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Of course, though, if you want to get alerts for when all the new stuff is going up, audio versions, video versions, new TikToks, my written reviews, access to everything, then you got to go to the link tree, which is linktr.ee slash T scary movie. If you go there, that'll keep you up to date with all the links that lead to all the great content that I'm putting up. And folks, you're going to want to make sure you're getting subscribed because I was just in Las Vegas this past weekend and I got a chance to check out the awesome, awesome, awesome Nightmare Toys store. And I'm going to post some videos for that here over the next week. So you want to check those out, make sure you're subscribed to the Linktree page. So tonight in movie reviews, we are going to be discussing the latest adaptation of a Stephen King short story called The Boogeyman. Yeah, that's what we got coming up for y'all in movie reviews. But in movie news, we got quite a lot of interesting sequel talk to bring to all of you as well. So, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into our horror news tonight. And I'd like to start by saying it was just announced that officially, officially, Damien Leone is bringing us Terrifier 3. Yes, folks, we knew it was very, very likely coming after the massive runway success of Terrifier 2 last fall. This movie made over uh, $15 million on a very limited release on a very, very small budget. It's one of the biggest success stories of horror in recent years. And the ending of Terrifier 2 left, made it very clear that there was plenty of room for us to explore more tales of Art the Clown. And it looks like we're about about to get that because not only not only is David Howard Thornton of course returning as Art the Clown in this third installment but Laura Levera is back as Sienna as again as well too so we are getting a legitimate full-fledged sequel that's going to start filming this fall hopefully to come out uh sometime in late 2024 i would imagine we're probably looking at another october release honestly but this is great news the budget has been increased which means we're probably going to see even more utter depravity some insane death scenes way more blood than we can handle and i talked about the fact that I honestly had expected a little bit worse from Terrifier 2 in the best of ways. That hearing that it's making people pass out and throw up, I was very, very worried about checking it out. And it's gory, for sure. There's no doubt about that, that Terrifier 2 was extremely gory. But there was also a really, really fun story that they were telling with it, too. So the gore honestly served a bit of a purpose. So I'm excited. I'll likely end up catching Terrifier 3 in theaters because it's going to get that limited run. Y'all know it absolutely well, and we have to support more horror, folks. So, uh, this is great news. Congratulations to Damian Leon, Phil Falcone, uh, and the entire 
team there with Terrifier. Screenbox, y'all are doing it big. I am excited for this next installment to hit here in 2024. But that's not the only sequel that we have to talk about today either. Uh, if you might, you might remember that we got back in uh back just a little while ago uh resident evil welcome to raccoon city which was the latest entry in the resident evil franchise we got that just a little bit over a year ago at this point it ha uh, was directed by johan rilhan roberts and it starred uh kayla scoladero hannah john Kamen, robbie amell tom hopper avon georgia and neil mcdonough and this movie, again, was a great treat for video game fans. If you're a big, big fan of the first two Resident Evil games, then you got exactly what you needed here after uh, with Welcome to Raccoon City, even if it was doing uh, the work of two video games in one movie. Now, after going through the Paul W.S. Anderson movies for the last uh, decade and a half, it was nice to get something a little bit more faithful to what we were seeing in the games. The movie didn't exactly set audiences on fire, though, it was a modest success and Sony had said that they were going to be looking into further injuries but it had been quiet since then but apparently there's been funding that's just been granted for a new film called the umbrella chronicles and again if you're a big resident evil fan you know one of the games is called resident evil the umbrella chronicles so it seems very much like we're going to get another entry in this series we have no idea about anything involving the story or if any of the cast from the first film return for this as well too we're gonna cross our fingers and hope though because again the first film offered enough if you're a big fan of the video games and perhaps the second film can do a, a better job of adding more in the way of scares to the film to make us feel like we're right in it so keep your eyes peeled for more news on resident evil the umbrella chronicles folks and one more title to discuss in the world of horror sequels we know that coming up this summer Patrick Wilson is actually bringing us our fifth entry into the Insidious franchise, uh, bringing us Insidious The Red Door. That is coming out this summer. Patrick Wilson takes over directing duties, focusing one more time on the Lambert family. But it was just announced that Blue Mouse and uh, James Wan are bringing us yet another story in the Insidious franchise. And that Jeremy Slater, who brought us the Exorcist TV show, along with the, Marvel, uh, the Moon Knight TV show for Disney+, Plus, is going to be taking over directing duties and co-starring as our leads in this is Mandy Moore and... Kumail Najani. And I am amped for this, folks. The plot has been released that a husband and wife use a spell to travel back in time to prevent the death of their young daughter. And of course, the consequences proved to be severe. Now, these insidious movies have been largely more hit than miss, as those first two movies are absolutely incredible and kind of set the stage for a lot of the other possession movies that have started to pro uh, pop up in the last decade or so and the fact that we're going on to our fifth film and we're already announcing a six one shows that bloom house along with um 
uh, along with uh, Atomic Monster. They're definitely all in on this franchise. And I'm excited behind it, honestly, because uh, Manny Moore, uh, Kumail N uh, Nanjani, they are terrific, terrific actors. Manny Moore should be a scream queen, scream queen by now. I think this is a wonderful pairing. It's a great plot to go with it. And honestly, I'm very, very curious if we end up getting a lot of revisionist history in this, a lot of other Bloomhouse titles like Paranormal Activity, which then started going back and adding more to the story. So I'm sure we're going to find out more and more as uh, filming begins and we start getting more details here. But folks, this is exciting. A lot of great sequel news here in horror news today. Be on the lookout for more next week and have some more exciting stuff for you. But stay tuned because when I'm back, I'm going to be talking the boogeyman. Hey everybody, looking for a great way to stay up to date on horror news as well as read the best of articles on anything scary out in the world right now? Then you need to head over to the Fangoria shop and get yourself a subscription. If you go to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDW, you can use my own personalized 20% discount to save 20% off on Fangoria magazine subscriptions as well as 20% off any other items in their fantastic shop. This is a great deal. If you've ever been wanting to get yourself a subscription, now is the time to do so. Head to shop.fangoria.com slash AXDEW. Welcome back to T Watches a Scary Movie. I'm here to tell you my review of The Boogeyman. Now, sometimes you can walk out of a movie and you can have such a great experience with it that it can put you back into a different time of your life and somehow make you enjoy it even more. Now, it's not necessarily nostalgia because nostalgia honestly implies that we're enjoying things a lot more than they probably were when they were happening. We just look back at simpler or better times in our life and we tend to put those moments up very high when it comes to a ranking in our own hearts. Nostalgia is not a bad thing. It can absolutely be euphoric, but this instead is like a time machine. And keep that in mind when I tell you that the boogeyman is about to transport you to early 2000s horror. And that's a pretty damn good thing. Adapted from a short story of the same name by Stephen King, Rob Savage directs a script from Brian Wood, Scott Beck, and Mark Heyman. And not only do I think they put together what should be one of the bigger successes of the summer, but they've also put out what I think is the best horror film of the year, at least at this time. And you can look at this behind the scenes team and you should be able to understand why everything is firing on all cylinders. Between our three writers and our director, we have some of the most memorable films of the last 20 years in the horror genre, and these folks have put together a perfect popcorn flick that actually has some depth to it. Sister Sadie and Sawyer, played by Sophie Thatcher and Vivian Lyra Blair, are having trouble dealing with the recent death of their mother. They're unable to move on and receiving no kind of emotional support from their therapist's father, Will. A mysterious visitor to their home will find the family being terrorized by an evil entity known as Boogeyman. 
Now, grief plays a very central role in this film. The family are finding themselves having to deal with their pain in different ways. The same way that these two sisters are dealing with it is not the same way that Will is. And while Sadie definitely is our point of view, she's the one that we're going to spend the most time with in the movie, it's so awesome to see Sophie Thatcher finally get her debut leading role showing that she's going to be a prominent player in years to come in the horror genre. It's interesting because earlier in the film uh, a school friend of me makes a rude comment to her about uh, an outfit that she chooses to wear and how it shows Sadie's inability to move on and while it is very mean, and obviously, you know, we got we're we're behind Sadie. And True tales. These are things that these so uh, these people or this person has actually gone through. And just like any very, story that uh, that true. finds itself being focused um, in like the horror realm, true story or not, we have to personally decide how much faith we're going to put into that. And I get it. Putting faith into a story about an exorcism is seems like a play on words, but that's really the case there. Do we care that another one of Rob Savage's movies establishing that the Boogeyman takes place? in the exact same universe. Now, we've seen Sophie Thatcher's work in projects like Yellow Jackets and The Book of Boba Fett, and she does amazing work opposite the cast that she's got a chance to work with. But she hasn't really had that opportunity to do her own leading role in a film or TV series, and this is really her chance to shine. And boy, does she run with the ball, y'all. Uh, Sadie is just having to do so much, whether it's taking care of her sister and then kind of turning that on her because she is a teenager. You have to remember that. So, of course, she's going to deal with the normal teenage angst that you could expect, and that's going to result in not always believing or being there for Sawyer, who's dealing with her own terror at home, too. And these two play really well together because they're dealing with the physical manifestation of their own grief. And while Sawyer is the one who actually gets more time with this monster, Sadie is the one who's ultimately having to pick up the pieces and take care of her family. She's the one busy trying to convince her father and trying to find the proof that she needs to show that her sister is telling the truth about all these crazy things that are happening at her house. But don't get it wrong here, Will, played by Chris Messina, gets a good chance to shine as well too because while his daughters are dealing with this monstrous entity that has invaded their own home, he's busy kind of ignoring the two of them and unwilling to open himself up to be emotionally vulnerable with his kids who are in desperate need of a father. And we get to see the true effects of grief over the course of this film. There's very, very big messages coming out about how if you don't deal with this pain and find a way to... Uh, not necessarily get over it, but find a way to really confront that pain that leads you to, you know, these monsters that just take over your life and can truly do even bigger damage than what you're already doing to yourself. Only in this case, the monster is an actual monster and not actual, you know, it, it's not like emotional grief or mental grief that you're dealing with, even though this family deals with this plenty. Will just can't move past his own pain to help his daughters and that puts them in even more danger and 
The metaphors here are very apparent. Uh, I think most of you are gonna be able to pick that up fairly quickly, but that also makes it a bit predictable with some of the story points that happen throughout the film because a few things are set up earlier on that you know they're gonna circle back around to by the end of the movie. And it doesn't make it any less enjoyable, but it does kind of stand out that like some of these items that are key items in the movie will show up with a clear purpose of being used later. And plenty of movies do foreshadowing, but the Boogeyman was just a bit more overt with it. It would have been interesting to see uh, to see it be just a little bit more subtext than just blatantly putting out here and showing a physical way that this family is going to have to move on. And with that, again, the Boogeyman itself is the physical manifestation of what they're dealing with. And this monster is terrifying. It is truly the thing that goes bump in the night, making us not only do a double take in the movie, wherever there's a dark space and looking for those glowing eyes, but I definitely found myself doing that in real life too after leaving the movie and seeing some uh, seeing some social media updates from a few people who got to see it. It seems like it's doing the same thing. This monster is going to stick with you and Rob Savage wisely chooses to not show much of the monster throughout the film, sticking to the shadows, just giving you brief brief glimpses so then towards the end of the film when we finally get this full-on look it's just built that tension up and it's well deserved it's a fantastic design and the fact that rob savage is able to pepper in so many effective jump scares throughout the film without having to use the monster really shows the power of this creative team now in the early 2000s, I remember it felt like there was just an endless amount of horror movies that were coming out between May and September every year between like 2000 and Over the course of the few seasons and that it had, so which really wasn't many. It was every a great show, weekend though. With my good friend um, ben. It didn't matter. And uh, even though Escobar is new to this world of exorcisms, awesome there are things that he's absolutely able to help father a teenager with. Getting to see and really I thought that's great because even though Morph is this guy who knows exactly what he's doing and he's the boogeyman, really feels like it would fit in these early 2000s films because it has a scary ass monster it has some very very effective death scenes and jump scares but even with the plot moving at a brisk pace, there's enough of a heartfelt story in there that you can really connect with a lot of the characters, and it doesn't seem like you're just getting a lot of fluff. It's a popcorn film that actually has some heart, which is what we want. Our supporting cast in Marin Ireland, Lisa Gay Hamilton, and David uh, Dasmalshian all provide pivotal, pivotal roles and information in this movie as the three pop-up throughout the film offering either higher stakes or to give us a temporary reprieve from all the action that is just happening before. And it truly shows that they were able to put together just a wonderful cast that every single role is important to the story. Not a minute of screen time is wasted anytime any of these people show up. And I have to say, Marin Ireland, who um, I, like, I'm sure I've seen her in more recent stuff, but I was watching her in Why the Last Man. It's great to see here now uh and see her popping up in another very prominent horror film because this one is gonna be a big one folks it was rated pg-13 it was only produced for 35 million and it's the summer 
kids are gonna go and check this out and it doesn't even matter that it's opening up against the next spider-verse film because this has all the potential to be a strong number two for the weeks to come it should be a massive massive success and while uh it does leave the door open for a potential sequel I would hope that uh, our creative team and our star just decide to stay as far away from it as humanly possible. It seems like this would be better fit for like a direct-to-video sequel, honestly. I could see that, and I could actually see that being really good, but man, unless Stephen King was involved, I don't know if they could capture the lightning in the bottle this second time. Because even the story that it's based off of isn't exactly adapted here on screen. The story that uh, was presented in King's Tale kind of serves as the catalyst for everything that's going on. The movie almost works like a sequel to King's original story. So I don't know if I'd want to see a second film as effective as this movie was. This is definitely one you're going to want to go and check out. There's some memorable performances. There's a terrifying creature and a fast, brisk pace. The Boogeyman should absolutely end up as one of your favorite horror films of the year. It hits theaters everywhere June 2nd. Don't miss this one, folks. And that's going to do it for me tonight. Make sure you come back next week when I'm jumping back to the After Dark Horror Fest year two. We've been reviewing a few of the movies. We still got more to go, but I had to stop the talk here about the Boogeyman. Got the After Dark Horror Fest coming up. We got the Black Demon coming up soon, too. The Blackening. We got a lot of great horror films coming up for you. So make sure to get subscribed to the YouTube page and the link tree so you can stay up with everything that's going on. Folks, my name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared. Hey, everybody. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode, movie review, game review, whatever it is now at this point. Don't forget, if you want to get subscribed to my official channel so you can stay up to date for when I'm dropping new episodes, reviews, news, whatever it is. The best way to do that is get subscribed to my link tree. That's going to be linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. Again, linktr.ee slash tscarymovie. That'll keep you up to date with new videos, podcast links for the audio-only version, as well as my letterbox, where you can find written reviews. Get subscribed, and don't forget, keep watching scary movies, folks. Stay scared.